0: subway sports talk. Dan, Dan,
1: Dan clear of the closing doors please. Mm
2: Right here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. We're here. We here. Well, some of us are still here. By that, we mean the Philadelphia 76ers. They may not be feeling too good about themselves, but they're still in it against the Knicks' arch nemesis. And that leads us to a couple NBA outsiders here with us today to talk all things NBA playoffs and hoops. John Lucas Duffy, first and foremost. What's up, man? It's been a minute. It's good to be back, Petey. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing... I, I guess perhaps I'm doing better than you right now. You Sixers just took a tough L to the Hawks. And uh, I don't know. We'll get into that. Kyle, maybe you can help out here. Kyle Anderson, also here. Knicks fan, as well, like myself. Is this the easiest time to root in the root for the Sixers in our existence?
3: 100%. Because we just want revenge at all costs. Like We just want the Hawks to literally just... Just get the most painful loss possible to get to get bounced out right now. Um Yeah. Please, please, Duff. Please, Duff. <laughs> we're, we're begging you. Don't please don't do talk
0: job. to me. Talk to Embiid's knee. It's not
3: up to me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's in tough. It's
0: it's tough with
2: these playoffs in general with all the injuries. And then, Embiid's one of the guys who he has the injury that you can like kind of work through even though he has a torn meniscus right but he can play and at moments he looks fine and then at moments he looks like he doesn't have quite the bounce the drop 40 on it right wasn't enough though and when it mattered most ended a game getting a little tired who knows we're gonna get into that and all of it also last but not least mike bonfield what's up brother
1: going on Pete. good to be back ready to talk some hoop
2: are you also rooting for the sixers vehemently as a knicks fan right Uh, now
1: 100 percent, absolutely is there um, F Trey Young? You know, F Trey. This is yeah. awful. This is awful news for me and
0: other Sixer fans that we have Knicks Nation behind us.
2: Yeah, Knicks Nation has energy. All right, you don't don't, don't be hating. Is there is there another time? I'm trying to think if there's another you know, time. Says in life.
0: Energy is your cracked out five year old cousin with the sugar rush. He's also got energy. Is that the energy you want, though? I'm just now thinking hey, of that Archie? kid with what? the blonde
2: hair who takes the basketballs off the dome. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Pop rocks are banging, bro. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. Is there another time in, in our reality that Knicks fans have rooted for a Philly or, you know, New York fans have rooted for a Philly team in general? I guess maybe Jets fans rooted for the Eagles when they played the Patriots. Did Mets oh, fans you know what? root for the remember, Phillies?
3: Do you remember when, Um, didn't we need the uh the eagles to win the last week of the, the, season. Last week of the season oh my god they blew it Washington. they blew it on yes. purpose yeah 100 on purpose man i'll never forget that that's
2: i honestly i forgot about oh, that and now right. i don't I now that. i didn't yeah. forget about it i had it yeah. blocked out of my memory and now it's gone <laughs> now, now it's back yeah. i'm saying <laughs> oh my god well either way right, so you
0: guys are one for one and one rooting for philly teams so yeah. we got a chance
2: yeah. yeah, now it's it's the rubber match here, and it's tough because it's like I don't know that there's no real reason for this iteration of the Sixers and the Knicks to have hatred for each other. There's really not a reason. They were both absolute garbage. the The Sixers were just better at being garbage for a little bit there, which landed them Joel Embiid, which landed them Ben Simmons, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and the Knicks, you know, finally got at least R.J. Barrett. Happy birthday to Rowan. Rowan Jr. Barrett, Rowan Barrett Jr., whatever it may be. It was his birthday the other day. Turned 21. Shout out to him. He can have a drink in the States. Um, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Long question, bro. <laughs> we're, going, we're going to move on. We're going to get into the actual basketball stuff here because it doesn't really matter if New York fans are rooting for the Sixers or not. They have to figure some some ish out on the court to, to deal with this team in Atlanta that is feisty and they're not going down without a fight. In fact, they may be going up with a fight because it's now 2-2. Their offense still looks potent. They're ready to grind, and you can hate Trey Young all you want. My guy's an absolute baller, and I keep telling myself it's it's not going to be a world where Trey Young this early in his career is leading a team to a conference finals. It's not going to be a, a a league where Trey Young is leading his team to a finals. I, I mean, it. I keep telling myself that every day. Like that's not going to happen, obviously, right? But every time you go back and watch this Hawks team and you watch them fight and now even the series at 2-2 and Beat is banged up Harden is still out Kyrie is out for game 5 the Bucks are getting a little better but are struggling to beat in the broken Brooklyn Nets it, or can we blink here and see Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks in the finals I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself cuz we're going to get to this too series late. first <laughs> too like, late. Way I did too I late. did but like what, but, all right so let me start with this duff and I'm just going to basically go iso ball after I got off my soapbox here for a second You're watching the Sixers team. You're watching them play the Hawks. What is your confidence level like throughout this game? And do you now feel the nerves of the Sixers actually losing to the Hawks? Whereas I imagine before tonight's game or what would be last night's game when people are listening to this, that you didn't feel that nervous. So explain the whole arc from before game four, throughout game four to now.
0: So before game four, I was was feeling good. Uh, first half, I was feeling great beginning of the second half. I'm looking at Trey Young's body language. And I, I looked at my girlfriend and I go, it's a wrap. Like he is very upset. I think we got this game in the bag. Then the, then the Hawks cut it to 10 and John Collins dunked the ball eight times in a row. And I said, wow, we actually are going to lose this game like pretty handily. So I just felt from that point on after Collins was dunking the ball every which way, And, you know, Ben Simmons tried to just chop him right in the chest like it was WWE, and that didn't even work. He came back two plays later, dunked the ball again. And after that, I just had no confidence whatsoever. Even, you know, the Sixers were in it all the way down the stretch, and Bede blew a layup with, what was it, eight seconds to go to put him up one, blew that, got the foul, or, you know, blew that, they lose possession. Trey Young gets fouled makes both free throws Ben Simmons comes out of the game which like that's you know he's not gonna like that but if it's a three-point game and it's the last possession he's literally worthless so go ahead take him out and shake Milton could have just pulled from three and no one on the Hawks would have minded one bit no one even looked at him The, the person they they give the ball to Seth Curry who I told you guys I was like before I knew Ben Simmons was gonna not be on the floor i was like seth kurt is the only person i want like to take this shot and he ends up taking the shot the number one contest from the hawks defense was from john collins who was guarding shake melton so it just got real weird at the end of that game they just kind of forgot how to play basketball in the second half but i don't want to hang too much like on the team or on doc like i, I don't i can't really like point to anything that doc May have done or not done, other than playing cork maz at the end of the game instead of like shake Milton or something. But it really comes down to beat and his health because he was over for twelve, I think, in the second half. Oh my he God. scored four points, all from the foul line, none from the field. And there were a couple times where he looked like he was, you know, driving to the lane. Capella's off balance. He's got him on his hip. He's, you know, he's dribbling with his right hand, and healthy Embiid dunks the ball. 10 times out of 10 in that scenario and he couldn't even jump off the ground and he was just like flailing and looking for fouls so it got really ugly for him down the stretch he was really frustrated and he was basically out there as a decoy at the end because he couldn't he couldn't do anything and it's really disappointing in that scenario um you know i was talking to my buddy jeff who's a big sixer fan and you know ever since the Nets traded for Harden. He's like, "What's what's the path for us?" And I just go, "And B's got to be 110." And as soon as he tore his mm. meniscus, even a little bit, you know that it felt like the storm clouds were rolling in. So it's it, which is really disappointing considering there's two other max players on this team mm. who I just have no faith in down the stretch to get their own shot. Uh, a couple times Tobias Harris just wasn't even looking at the rim in the three at? point range, even though he was two for three from from three tonight. But like in the second half, he just goes quiet every time.
2: So, I mean, we've talked about, sorry to cut you off. Are, are you finished?
0: No, go ahead. No,
2: go ahead. Uh, we've talked about this with Tobias Harris. I just got to get it out of, out of the way now because I, I was ready. I think at different points of this season, I might've even eaten my words and did my apology to Tobias Harris for playing as well as he did for the beginning of the, or for the, the whole regular season. But it still stands in my mind that I don't care because whenever it matters, I have no idea where that guy is. I have no idea where that guy is. And it. how much does it say about Tobias Harris that all of us in our group chat were like, yep, we do want Seth Curry to take this last shot. When Tobias Harris is on the team and he shoots 50, 40, 90 almost every year, and we're not even thinking about giving him the ball because he disappears every time. But stop me if you heard this before about this playoffs. There's a parallel between the Sixers and the Brooklyn Nets that may not bode well for either team here. When the nets lost game 3. It was a crappy game. You know, they the everybody shot terribly. The nets shot terribly and all of a sudden it's like, hey, the the nets shot so bad. Joe Harris was one from 10. Durant didn't shoot that well. He scored like 30 something on 30 shots. Kyrie didn't score uh, didn't shoot in the last 5 minutes and the bucks only won by 3 points, right? And now for this game with the Sixers, it's like, damn, Embiid was 4 for 20 he only had 17 points and the hawks only won by 3. So yes, there's that little bit of like silver lining to that when you think about well, the nets didn't even play good at all and they still almost beat the bucks. Oh, the sixers got 4 for 20 out of Embiid and they still almost beat the hawks. Now, I, I like, got to cut you off there because yeah. I hate that logic that, so that much. That was that was going to be my, my oh, all right, I was yeah, leading I'm up going. to that. I was saying and it, it's not going to bode well for either team the way it's looking right now because the, the health is declining, and you keep saying, "Oh well, we could have done better, and we would have won with ease." Well, they ain't doing better, and now the Nets are losing options, and Embiid's losing juice on that on those legs. So I'll, go ahead, take it back if you want there, because I didn't know how I was gonna finish that, but that's
0: where I was getting. No, I it just it, it's it's just funny how you know the, in life there's people who look at things like glass half empty, glass half full, and I guess if you're someone who's looking at that game tonight, or or the way that. You know, Brooklyn may have looked at game three. It's just like, wow, we be like shit, we only lost by three. Uh, you know, we had a chance to win this game. That's like glass half full. I'm thinking about it like, damn, that other team played like shit too. And they beat us by three. Like, the, the, the Bucks only scored 86 points. You know, Trey Young was, he played terribly tonight, other than he shot the ball terribly. He did a great job of getting his team, teammates in the mix. But you got to look at that and say, wow, if indeed if, if was six for 20, from the floor we win this game if he's six for 20 like if he's just not the worst he's ever been we win this game it's it so you can't you can't just like think you're always going to get the next one because the right. slippery slope then Kyrie sprains his ankle
2: <laughs> then and is even less healthy next game that was kind of my point like you can't hang your hat on something that didn't count it didn't get you anything right like maybe if joe harris uh, goes eight for nine in a loss. You're like, all right, at least Joe Harris starting to shoot well. We needed that, right? But I don't know, Kyle. What do you what do you see him in this Sixers Hawks series? Because obviously we watched the Hawks very closely in round one against the Knicks, and no one really expected that the Hawks would come toe to toe with the Sixers until this injury uh, for Embiid showed up. But when you're looking specifically at the Hawks and not really accounting for all the injury stuff, what are you seeing? Out of Trey. Because you're, you're a guy who knows and appreciates the point guard play. We're going to get to your boy, the point god, Chris Paul, later sure. on. What are you seeing out of Trey Young? Because we just touched stuff he did on his poor shooting numbers. But yeah, there seems to be a lot more going on here.
3: You know what it is? Like He gets in the paint so well. And when he gets into the paint, he makes the defense really make decisions where either, one, you're going to guard him or, you know, usually it's off a pick and roll. So, or two, you're going to guard the lob. And then if the guy in the corner decides to help on the lob, then, all right, the guy in the corner, Bogdanovich or Herder is going to be wide open. And they hit shots. They hit big time shots, like consistently. And obviously when we played them, the Knicks, we know all too well, like some of the backbreakers that they would just hit on us. Like I always felt like, the Knicks would come down and get a bucket. I'm like, all right, hey, we need to get a stop. And Bogdanovich would come down and hit a huge three. And it's like, dude, what was – we just can't get – you know, we just can't get stops. And I think that's one of the things I was like – I was watching the Sixers game, and I'm just like – just writing like stuff that I see is like writing it down. And it was like in the middle of the third quarter, and I just wrote down – literally the first thing I wrote down, Sixers just letting them hang around. Like there was – it was just like, all right, get it to 10. Okay, Bogdanovich comes down and hits a three. All right, or you know, at the start of at the start of the fourth, you know, the Sixers are up one or up two rather. The thing was like 82-80 going into the fourth. Boom! First possession. Bogdanovich comes down, hits a three. I'm like, dude, like it's it's constantly. But but again, with Trey Young, he's making opportunities for other players around him. So Collins now is getting good looks. Um, again, Herter and Bogdanovich. But all these guys are getting good looks because he's getting into the paint. He's so tough to guard, and he's so quick. And even though he's not, like, the biggest guy, like, he, like, takes contact really well because he's obviously not strong or he's not, you know, a heavy dude. But he takes contact really well and kind of uses that to get by people. And I think just it's it's all about his paint touches. He gets paint touches, it's a wrap, because then he's going to start shooting three ball. When you go to hedge, the guy's going to, you know, he's going to take one dribble back. And then he's going to turn around and just hit that three, you know, wait for this guy to to go back into the paint and he's going to hit like a, you know, 28 footer. He's, he's the difference right now. One thing Trey young has
0: already perfected at like 21 years old that James Harden just kind of did like last year, or two years ago, his floater looks exactly the same as his lob to, to whoever the big is like, it it happens to be Capella in, in both cases.
2: Yeah. Common denominator.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it, it's just, like, the ball – and there were a couple times where, like, floaters went in. I was like, was that a pass? Right. Was that yeah. – Like, like John
2: Collins is doing, like, the NBA jam jump just in case. Like, he's, yeah. he's just getting Go up right. there. <laughs> it's really
0: confusing sometimes, yeah. but it's, it's just, like – like, it, it, it's really tough to defend. It's really impossible to defend as a big. You're just trying to guess, I, I suppose.
2: Yeah, and yep. he, he had 18 assists tonight, and I think he had – I, I don't know off the top of my head a, the exact number – but off, sorry, I don't know the exact number, but off the top of my head, he hit at least three floaters, right? I would say that sounds More, fair. No, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So he hit three threes, and he only made six. Uh, sorry, and he only hit eight shots. So did he hit five floaters, four floaters, think, or three floaters? a minimum of three floaters.
0: I can't think of a single shot he made that wasn't a three or a floater. Right. So he
2: might have made five floaters, and and like, that, so you can argue about the Embiid side, and this goes back to the main point. He hit five floaters. He missed every other shot he took. You know what I'm saying? So he could have easily put in a couple more baskets, and this game is that much more apart.
0: But the I don't big... think he's healthy either. His right oh, shoulder. every time like, I think he goes that's out, why he wasn't shooting until he really found a rhythm, like later in the game. That's why he was working so hard to set up his teammates. And that's really what's impressive about him yes. is the way he can impact the game in in multiple ways and at multiple levels, like you're talking about, Kyle. And that's the thing that's really scary to me as a Sixers fan is like, this is a league where we consistently talk about how top end talent, and we're going to get to this when we, when we move on to Brooklyn and Milwaukee in a minute, but top end talent is usually what's going to carry you through the playoffs and get you to a championship and win the finals. And you can think about it just year in year out as, as you go through which team has has the best player. And that's typically the one who that, that will win the, the finals. So w- the Sixers have not beat. He's definitely the best player in the series. But as soon as he gets a little banged up with his knee, he's all basically rendered useless in the second half and nobody else steps up. Trey Young can't really score. Can't really shoot. Looks like it hurts him a lot. But he can get others involved. And the Hawks are balanced and the Sixers are top heavy. And that's the difference really to me in this series is that the, the, the Sixers got to play a specific way to be successful, whereas the Hawks are a little more malleable. And you have so many shooters who can spot up. And not just that. It's like, you know, uh, Maz can spot up and hit a shot. You know, Danny Green can spot up and hit a shot. He wasn't playing. But I'm just, you know, Matisse Thybul can spot up and hit a shot. But Bogdan Bogdanovich can spot up. He can take you off the bounce on a closeout. Same thing with Herder. Same thing with Gallinari. Same thing with John Collins. All those guys are more versatile than anyone on the Sixers. That's really the difference to me is, is that, you know, Trey Young can maximize his teammates' potential. And the Hawks' others role players, even though that's what their entire team is made of, is more versatile.
2: Yeah, and they're missing DeAndre Hutter on top of it, who's a guy who's probably one of the best role players they got, if not the best role player they got. Um, counting Bogdanovich is more of like a star, like a star. He would he would be right in that mix. Yeah. So
3: one. I th- one oh, I think like, like one one of the other big things is just that at least just real quick like just from the you know touching on the mix like Hawk series whatever. One of the big things that I noticed was that the Knicks used to bust their ass just to get a shot up, and then the Hawks would literally come down and it, was, it looked like they were playing like you know, kind of like just on air because all five of their guys can get thrown shot. Like you're saying, Duff, all five can legit go off the bounce, or you know, catch and shoot, or go off the dribble. You know, Trey Young can go off the dribble. I didn't even mention Lou four, Williams. Three. True, you no know, Lou will is another guy. Like just almost every guy that stepped on the, on their floor, you know, on, on their lineup can get their own shot and can get a bucket. And I think that's obviously such a big, big plus when you're playing against a tough team, like, uh, like Philly, like one of the other notes I put down for Philly was like, dude, like they are so long on defense and athletic, but if you have guys that, you know, that can kind of get their own shot and they're not like limited offensively, yeah, you can kind of match up with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it, I got, I'll, I'll save that for a minute. Um, but to the Trey young point, one last thing as well, his trust in his teammates is just so much higher than it ever was before. And I don't know if it was a little bit of a hero ball situation earlier in his career, but I think we all saw it. I definitely said it on this podcast a bunch of times. I was like, yeah, he's a great, great passer, but he's not passing and setting up his teammates to the best of his ability. Like, he was doing the Westbrook, where he was getting assists, and he was m- making the pass to the shot only. Not, a, now, not a willing passer. Right. There's so much more ball action, I guess, maybe, like, ball movement, people moving around, extra passes. Like, there was a wide-open three, and this could be to the shoulder uh, point with him being a little banged up.
0: Oh, would he cross-court to, cross, to herder? Yeah, cross-court
2: to, to herder? Herder Yeah, When he yep. could have easily got that off uncontested. But that little thing that Trey Young has added to his mindset this year, which really, it didn't show up until I think Bogdanovich came back uh, from injury. Honestly, that's where things really turned for this Hawks team because I think Trey Young looked to his left, looked to his right, and was like, "All right, like if I don't trust these guys, who am I going to trust? Like these are real players. These are real, real players." So that brings me to my next question, which will segue us to you know the playoffs at large and, and the net series as well. So I was having this debate with uh, you know so a group of friends, a group chat of mine, and. It's guys who are more tangential NBA fans. It's, they're not, it's not their main sport. They're not even locked into one team all year. They're kind of watching some big games. They watch some Knicks games or whatever, and they're doing the whole classic complaint of, oh, it's, uh, it's all about the stars. If the stars are here, nothing else matters. If, oh, the Nets are going to win because they got the three best players and it's, it's who cares? Like Everybody knows what's going to happen. It's the same thing we heard with the Warriors and the Cavs all those years. It's that same exact concept. Personally, I, I push back on that because we're seeing, we, we, we we are shown every single playoffs that it's not the case. Like if Joe Harris shoots one for 10 and Kyrie was still healthy, like they easily could have still lost that game. Like saying that it's all about the stars and that's the only thing that matters. And if you have two stars, you're going to win the game. If you have the best player in the series, you're going to win the series. Like, it's just, I don't subscribe to that. And I think this playoff is showing it even more so than ever. Like, the Nets have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and they still threw up a dud because their role players shat the bed in the in the end of the game. Joe Harris shat the bed for the whole game. Bruce Brown shat it for the last two minutes. And, like, for the Bucks, Giannis can score 30 points every single night. If Drew Holiday is only taking four shots a game and scoring eight points, it's not going to get the job done. So, I don't know. Are you guys seeing anything in this regard to this year's playoffs specifically about the... Stars leading the way and it's star be all end all situation. I don't know if I'm making sense here exactly, but
0: what, no, what do who you, who are the most talented teams in the NFL last, last season? The Chiefs and the Bucks. And who won the Super Bowl? Well, yeah, the the Bucks, hundred percent. And whose left tackle tore their Achilles in the conference final? The Chiefs. How is that any different than anything that's happening in the NBA right now? I
2: mean, listen, I agree with you. I do. And I think the fact that all these random-ass teams in baseball sometimes, like nobody gives a hell about the Kansas City Royals making the World Series. Nobody. Nobody cares, right? So you want to see stars, and I agree with that notion. Like You want to see the stars in the biggest spot. But to say that that's it, that that's the whole story, I don't think it's fair to all these amazing role
0: players – why are they stars? Because they're the best. So yeah. no shit, they're gonna make it the farthest when it matters the most. Like, is that not just simple mathematics? I I, I understand what you're saying, and that's a common complaint. I agree with you. It's just like you can't ever listen to it because it's the same thing that happens in every sport. Like, the best players win. Is that not why they're the best? <laughs> Mike,
2: what do you got?
1: I, yeah, yeah. So I I feel like. I I agree and disagree. I agree that, like, obviously, you know, like, the better players, Patrick Mahomes are, you know, probably the best quarterback in the league right now. That's up for debate. Um, But, like, one of the best for sure. And, like, he's on a really good team. You know, he's surrounded by probably the best tight end in the league, one of the better receivers in the league, Um, and they're they're successful. But, like, I don't know. Why don't we go to baseball real quick? And Mike Trout, for example, right? Mike Trout is – I feel like has widely been regarded as like the best player in the game for the past five to seven or eight years, maybe. And I think he has one postseason appearance and they lost in the first round. Um, So that's just an example. And like, you know, it's, there's stars that succeed and, and there's stars that have never won a championship in some sports. But like, I feel like in basketball, you really notice the, they have the biggest impact on the floor because I mean, there's only five guys and like, because it's so, it's so high scoring and back and forth and, these guys, the the better players in the NBA, I feel like are noticeably so much better and have a bigger impact on the game. Because I mean, Durant, Harden, or Kyrie, for example, can go out and any of them could drop forty on any night that they want to. And in basketball, I just feel like that goes like so much longer of a way, you know. And I, it just you just see the impact more. In my opinion, you see the impact more, and that's why LeBron has been in the finals for ten years in a row. You know what I mean? He had other good players on his team, but because he was that good and he was able to carry his team through the week Eastern conference for all those years. Right. But like, uh, that, that's just my opinion.
2: No, I, you're, you're hundred percent correct. And I think my point more is about giving some of these role players credit where it's due. Like you can't have the 2013 Miami heat that won the championship without Ray Allen and without Shane Battier. And you can't have, uh, the Warriors of the first two years before they got Kevin Durant without Mo Spates and David West and Leandro Barbosa and Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala. Like, you can talk to me about Steph, Clay, and Draymond all day, and it's the reason that they're there. But without those other dudes, you're not getting over the hump. And I think that's being shown here. Like, when you look around the Bucks roster and you look about their lack of depth, like Middleton and Giannis can combine for 65 points if Bryn Forbes is getting picked apart on defense, they could still easily lose to any team left in the Eastern Conference. If Joel Embiid can drop 40, and if uh, Seth Curry and Danny Green combine for two for 14, they ain't going very far. So I, I don't know if maybe I just care too much about the other guys, but I think even the stars would say it. Shaq says it all the time. Like, you need these other guys to complete the team. Like, it's the most individually driven sport Cause they can have the most impact. Like Mike said, five guys versus 11 versus nine in baseball, 11 in football, nine in baseball, hundred percent makes sense. I get all that, but to just act like, you know, the role guys playing good or bad or being good or bad doesn't matter. Like bothers me for some reason. And we'll get off this in a second. Kyle, you have anything to add to this?
3: No, you're right. Because, you know, there are times obviously where guys like LeBron, if they drive into the paint, and the entire defense collapses, but there's a wide open guy in a corner, and he passes it to him, and he consistently misses it. All right, he's not doing his job because now it's an easier, you know, it's easier for the defense to defend him. So that's why you know guys like J.R. and you know J.R. Smith in, in the 2016 finals was like so big, like he had crazy nights. If he doesn't have some of those those you know explosive nights that he had, where he's hitting like five six threes in a game, who knows? you know, it's probably not going to go LeBron's way. But that's why, you know, to your point, guys that are not necessarily getting the crazy max contracts are just as important as the, you know, the first guy, you know, on your roster, just because there are going to be times where your number is going to be called. And, you know, it's always the, you know, always got to be ready mentality for some of these players. And right now, you know, the playoffs is kind of the, everyone's watching and you get exposed if you don't you know regular season oh i had a tough night you Harrison know, I'm Barnes. Back. i'm in a shooting slump now nah dude like the series is on the line like this the season could be over you know because of your lack of preparation or just like you know you're in a slump right now like it's what takes you out uh, of
0: it. it's is what takes you from good to great like yep. like you're saying in cleveland with those guys you know jr iman shumper or richard jefferson channing hitting the yeah hitting the, hitting those shots versus uh, Tony Allen on the Memphis Grizzlies not getting guarded by Andrew Bogan and <laughs> yeah. And the, and the Grizzlies having to play, you know, four on five on offense. Like that's, that's the difference. They were up two one in the series against the end against the Warriors. And they just didn't have to guard one whole guy. I'm watching it right now with the Sixers. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And,
2: and we can, we can save the, the overarching thing here to see what we think is going to play out here in, in this year's NBA playoffs, like if we think the depth thing is going to matter for which team it might matter for. Because I think before these last two games for the Nets, you can argue that the way this team was put together, and we'll circle this back to the nets Buck series now, the way this team was put together with three stars and not a lot of resources for other pieces, plus their other big piece, like their fourth biggest piece, if you really want to be serious about it, hasn't played because he tore his ACL and Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie. They did a masterful job getting amazing work out of Joe Harris, who's an awesome player at this point in time, an awesome role player. Bruce Brown has been fantastic for them all season. Blake Griffin has had a renaissance in his career. Nick Claxton has given awesome minutes off the bench. Landry Shamit can do some things. And now Mike James is out here scoring some buckets, right? So you can say, yeah, big three and nothing else matters. Go look at those games and go look at those box scores and now see how they just lost two games to the Bucs when all the role players played like trash, right? So you tell me what matters. Obviously now Harden and Kyrie being out matters more than anything else. Uh, But when we look at this series now, it's 2-2, just like Sixers-Hawks. Do we feel like the momentum swing even matters? Or is this the only thing that matters now is the health of Kyrie and Harden? Now, obviously Kyrie's already out for five. Harden will assume is out for five, but we don't know yet. Does momentum even play a portion here, Duff? Or is it solely the health of the Nets? If they don't have two of the three stars, they have no chance.
0: I mean, what do they say in baseball? Momentum is your next day starting pitcher, right? Momentum is who who's playing for you tomorrow. And if the Nets don't have Kyrie Irving and James Harden playing for them tomorrow, coming off back-to-back losses, I would say they would they definitely lack momentum, even though they're coming home. Can't say I've heard Brooklyn to be like, uh uh, the the tough home court advantage type type arena uh not yet at least so we'll see that could change but i i mean this game this series to me more than any other one i've seen has been dictated by officiating now i know it's not fun to talk about but i have to say it because pj tucker should be trying out for like defensive end next season because he (laughs) is just getting like his he he looks like aaron donald out there with the hands his forearm is is everywhere he, he he can't Kevin Durant like and I've played against guys like this and I've and I've played like this against other guys where he, Kevin Durant just can't go anywhere or do anything without being touched by PJ Tucker. And that's the most fucking annoying thing in the world to just be out there on this big court. But you feel like you can't breathe because there's just always this guy next to you, no matter what you do, even if it's just like a little bit, just a little tap just keeping his hand on you. You don't even have the ball. You're just walking up the court and you smack his hand away. Then all of a sudden you get called for a foul because you hit him in the arm. And it's, he's like, definitely in his head right now. I mean, at some point I, you, I really wonder about Kevin Durant because, you know, Frank loves to say this all the time. He's got rabbit ears. So who's to say this, he wouldn't react the same way when he's on the court, like the team you feed off your best player, their attitude and you, you, you know, if I'm Joe Harris and I'm looking at Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant's looking like, man, like he's pissed off and, and, and not confident, how the fuck am I gonna feel confident? That's Kevin Durant. I'm Joe Harris. I don't, I, I have, like we just talked about, I have limited, you know, effect on this game compared to Kevin Durant. I'm undrafted. So, what? <laughs> I was undrafted. Undrafted. It wouldn't even take me. 30 teams passed on me twice. So, what, like, what, what's he going to do? So I, to, to me, that's like the biggest thing they got to change, especially if, if Kyrie and Harden aren't out there is Kevin Durant's attitude's got to adjust. And PJ Tucker needs to get like three fouls in the first three minutes. It's, it's crazy. But he's kind of like, Bill Simmons brought it up in his podcast. It was a great point. And Chris Paul loves to do this too. And he used to do this when Steph Curry when, he was, when Paul was on the Clippers all the time. It's just like, I'm going to be as physical as possible with you from the jump and they're going to call it or they're not. And they haven't been calling it, so then they've got to be consistent with it. And this is the game we're playing now. So not PJ Tucker's fault. Just is
3: what it is. It's a big, it's a big adjustment. I feel like for a KD because, you know, when when they let, I think this is the the one difference between the regular season and the playoffs. I wish there was kind of like a middle ground for the refereeing. Because yes, I understand <laughs> that it shouldn't be um as physical as it is say in this series it also shouldn't be like the softest you know calls in the world in the regular season either so there should be a middle ground you know why why do we go from like oh we're playing pickup at you know at the park and uh like yo if i call foul yo you got it Uh, we'll check ball But now it's like, we're playing like prison ball now and there's no calls being made. So like, where's the middle ground that these refs can kind of live in. So everyone knows like, all right, Hey, we're only making a little bit of a jump to the playoffs. Now we're going from like, you know, chilling wreck basketball. Now we're playing AAU basketball with the physicality and no, no fouls called. So I I think like, I'm sure, I'm sure Kevin Durant's going to make an adjustment. He's going to kill PJ Tucker. I feel like the next game, because. I, in my opinion, I, in the one-on-one battle, I think that's what's going to happen because it's tough for a guy to last that long with that kind of energy defensively like mm-hmm. yo dude, are you going to be able to are you going to be able to guard me for two games like this? he just got burned on those tires too. He just been doing this you know for 4 mean? years in Houston, like he's tired. Dude, he's been doing it all that's that's his job, right? Like but mentally, can you keep doing it? Like physically, can you keep doing it? Cause guess what? I'm gonna if I see one go in, it's KD, bro. If he sees one go in, it's a wrap. So like right off the bat, like you said with CP, he has to get like as physical as possible to see how they're calling the game that day. And that's and I think that's what I'm saying. Like it, it there needs to be a middle ground for, for the playoffs. So I mean for the regular season. So yeah. once we jump to the playoffs, it's not like holy shit, dude, he's getting mauled, you know, and and at half court, and they're not calling anything.
0: Yeah, I just want to shout out PJ Tucker because one thing he actually does that you never see anymore is he fights through screens. So yes. even because I, I was thinking he does not switch anything. No, he doesn't. And I was I was thinking, um, Kyle, you're like, man, Kevin Durant's got to do, he's gonna do something different or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, I was running back, I was like, man, he tried to go to the basket, he tried to post them up, low post, mid post, you know, high screen a roll, nothing worked. In the last game. Mm-hmm. Now, you're right. Kevin Durant super talented. But I just wanted to shout out PJ Tucker for that one. Because, like, he's actually fighting through screens. I feel like I haven't seen someone do that in the NBA in, like, six or seven years. I'm, Un- I'm, like, consistently.
2: I'm thinking of, a dog uh, man. y'all ever seen the Childish Gambino freestyle on Rosenberg? I've been grinding my whole life, Rosenberg. You know, that's PJ Tucker. <laughs> like, I just questioned if yeah, he had yeah. enough juice, enough wind. He's just like, I've been grinding my whole life, fam. Like, he's yeah. been doing, he does this. He, like, this he's is what P.J. Tucker does. I've watched way too many Houston Rocket games in my life with James Harden, P.J. Tucker, like, you know, and just chucking threes from the corner, making a decent clip of him. I mean, if you're an NBA fan, you are just in lo- like you have to be in love with P.J. Tucker. You want him on your team. He's the type of guy who you want on your team no matter what. And I bet you Kevin Durant knows that. I think they have respect for each other. That's yeah, why good, yeah, I, it's the definitely. same college. I don't think that, that's why I don't think it gets too heated between them. I think it's like we're going to bark and we're going to talk smack. But like KD loves talking smack. That's the thing a lot of people misconstrue about Kevin Durant. It's that he's crying on the court. Nah, he doesn't. He's the opposite. He's the anti Trey Young and the anti Harden, in fact. You're talking about, you know, calling your own fouls, Kyle. That made me think. I don't, Kevin Durant it does not seem like the guy who's calling a lot of fouls when he's playing no. in the, you know, pickup. It's not his thing. Right. He's like, I'm going to make the shot. I'm not calling a foul. I'm going to make the shot. You know what I mean? And he's not flailing. He started doing a little flailing because I think he was so fed up with not getting calls with the physicality. And like you said, those plays, if you watch those and you don't know it's a playoff game, you're like, that's a foul. That's a foul. That's a foul. He could have had nine oh. fouls. Oh, my God. Even if
0: you do, yes. even if you know it's a playoff game.
2: Yeah, but I, yeah for sure. But then... It's a little I like it's a little different, I guess. But if you're thinking it's a regular season game, you're like that like is he getting flagrants for Ejected. these? Rejected. Yeah. <laughs> like if Trey Young, <laughs> if Trey Young or Harden or I'm um, trying to think one of the other guys who does this a lot, who like really flops like really flies around once they get touched like that, it's really those two guys obviously that jump to mind. But Kevin Durant would have jumped into the scores table and just been like, whoa, like right into the scores table. You know, like boom. Steve Nash. Yeah, like it, it no. would have been bad. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I think their refs are going to have to make a little bit of adjustment there, and we're going to see that little balance out. But here's my next question. Mike, I'll go to you first. Put you on the spot. Kevin Durant and James Harden are out for game, game five, hypothetically, because we don't know about Harden yet. What percent, or what would you set the line at? I don't know. The line's probably out already. I don't know if you looked at it or not. What would you set the line at, and what would you take? Like, where would you want to see the Nets at, basically? What odds would you give them to win?
1: Money line or spread? Money line?
2: Both. Whatever you want. I don't know. Just like what what's your confidence level in the Nets right now if Harden and Kyrie are out? Or on the flip side, what's your confidence or lack thereof in the Bucks if those guys are out?
1: See, it's it's crazy. And it it kind of goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about like star players and stuff like that. Because you were saying like, you know, the Bucks can't win if like yeah, Giannis will drop his 30, Middleton will drop his 25. But, like, you know, if Drew Holiday is only scoring four points or whatever whatever you said before, like, that's kind of what happened last game is, like, they won because Giannis and Middleton carried. I think they, like – I believe it was they, – they scored, like, 79% of their team's points, which was, like, the most by a duo in playoff history. Don't quote me on that, but it was something like that, like, crazy. Um, and nobody else was scoring for them. And they beat them because the Nets shot – Horribly, like you know, all this stuff that isn't gonna repeat, and you know, the Nets are one of the best offensive scoring teams, like the league's ever seen, whatever, and all this stuff. So I don't know. I mean, the game's in Brooklyn, right? Game five. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I agree with you guys. I think KD comes out and he's just the kind of player, man, that like he has the mentality of I'm gonna come out here and I'm gonna attack and I'm gonna do it. And he has the skill to be able to back it up, like. He's a bucket man. Like he can come out and he'll just he'll just drop 42 if he wants. Like it's nothing. Like he can attack in any way. He can drive. He can pull up. It's it's actually absurd. He's one of my favorite players that I've ever watched play. Um, But to get back to the question you asked, if I just set a money line, um, I don't like what what would you favored by much? I think the Nets. The so
2: do you want me to give you? Let me me ask you this. I think Brooklyn's favored. They're not. Milwaukee's minus four. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So Milwaukee's Ooh, minus four. I was gonna four. say, I was gonna oh, say I was Nets spreading? three and a half. Yeah, plus three and a half. So you get the Nets plus four, or well, let's go money line because we're talking about winning the series, we're not talking about making gambling picks right now, right? So what's is that enough juice for you? You know the the plus four would probably get them to what like plus one ninety or something like that. I don't even know. So like plus two hundred to make it even. Is that is that juicy enough for you? Do you have enough confidence in them without Harden, without Kyrie, with just Kevin Durant and all the others to to put up with? The Giannis,
0: Middleton, Drew Holiday, probably 80 points combined? No. Because think of the teams that have just one superstar left in the playoffs or like quote unquote superstar. Or teams that are left. It's the Hawks. It's Trey Young. But we just talked about what makes them so different. It's how how balanced and well-rounded they are top to bottom. Right, And that's what you sacrifice. You sacrifice and the Warriors did the same thing and that's why they lost to the Raptors. You sacrifice depth for top end talent i understand why they do it i would do the same thing but now you you're missing your second and third best players and then your next best player is Joe harris blake
1: griffin yeah there's a significant drop talent wise like once you get past those three guys that's the thing and yeah that's like we talked about the versatility of atlanta and those guys and like you know, Trey gets doubled, drives into the paint. He has three options. He takes the floater himself. He throws a lob to Capella or Collins or whoever, or he kicks it out to one of his shooters. And, like, that's what makes them so good. Joe Harris is a shooter. But like, when he shoots one for 11, that's not going to get it done. So, like, you're exactly 100% right. And, like, guys like Claxton have stepped up. And guys like Brown have stepped up. Um, and that's what's helped the Nets. And that's why, Pete, like you said, like, role players are important. But when it comes down to it, when your star players are three of the best players in the league, you know, and your depth, of course, there's going to be a significant drop. So, like, again, to allude to, like, what these star players can do for the team is Joe Harris is a great shooter, but he gets as many wide open looks as he does because you're doubling hard in Kyrie or KD. So that's the other thing that these star players are doing. Sometimes they don't even have the ball in their hands they're still drawing defenses and giving these guys wide open looks. Joe Harris, you know, shoots better than 50% from three, whatever. Like he's not going to miss wide open shots. Like it's, you know, so that, that contributes. I just want to
0: shout out Pete for bringing up the point about the others and the role players, because Pete, we were singing PJ, PJ Tucker's praises on defense. He had 13 points in game four. uh, And great number for him in the first three games. He had nine points combined. Yeah. So, that's, that's a big uh, big time step up for him and big injection offense from somewhere. Like if, you, if you're going to basically hold Kevin Durant the way you did and you know granted he still had 28, but it was a hard 28 and he just totally mentally t- took him out of the game. You give him 13 points on top of that, totally stoked for that. But back to the Nets and just kind of my point about sacrificing depth, how many Hawks players would you take before you take another Nets player if it's not going to be Kevin Durant James Harden or Kyrie
2: Uh I'll go through it right now. Bogdan, obviously. Clint Capella, obviously. Um, Kevin Herter. I think, you know, I love Joe Harris. Kevin Herter is a little bit more versatile.
0: I if like if you're talking
2: about in this situation You're situ- not
0: gonna talk me into it. i count it. In I don't the, even in, think you have in to This
2: situation it. with needing some more creation, you take Herter over Harris. It, it is what it is. Um and I, Gallinari, I, Gallinari probably yeah, yeah, Gallinari. DeAndre Hunter, if he's healthy, obviously. John Collins, probably. John Collins. I don't think I would. For the
0: versatility. I think for the versatility, again. Over, yeah, I guess maybe you would. God damn. Because he's so much, he, he can defend, he can, he Not can post. Not Lou Will, though, can... unfortunately. Not Lou Will. Well, maybe because
2: he... you're you're desperate for creation. You're desperate yeah. for creation. Actually, you know yeah. I mean, So you probably take Lou Will as well. And I was thinking like when you're six. talking about the Hawks and the others, the other team that was left in, this, uh, in the semifinals that's similar was the Nuggets. The full-strength Nuggets... Are like that when they're healthy with Jamal Murray, when Michael Porter Jr.'s back ain't messed up, and Monty Morris and Faku Composo are not you know thrusted into ginormous roles, and Aaron Gordon's not thrusted into ginormous roles, then they're deep, and their others can do other stuff and not the main stuff. So they're similar, but they lost their uh, their second guy, Michael Porter Jr. was banged up, and they were literally a zero, and the Suns just abuse them top to bottom, basically. Uh, So yeah. That's that's crazy, man. That's tough. Kyle, you, you think they got a shot? What are you doing? What are you giving the Nets here? Just gut. Give me like a one to ten or a percentage of confidence. I don't 10. know.
3: Percentage percentage for the Nets. Yeah, because I think right now it's it's like the
1: momentum's on the series, Buck side.
2: Win the series or win the game. Win the series, Kyle. Give me give me give me your thoughts. On the series. Yeah. Look, okay. or give me win the, the game. I don't know. because we, we don't know what's gonna happen no, with Harden, but hypothetically, yeah,
3: I'll, I'll give you I'll give you at least for the game tomorrow. I think they have very good chance of winning tomorrow. And the reason why I say that is because they're going home, right, 65 – I'm going to give them like 65% chance to win, all right? And the reason why I say that is because what do role players do very well? They play well at home. And they're going home. Brooklyn's going to be fired up. You know, it, it's not the craziest atmosphere in there. Like you said, it's not the craziest atmosphere in there. But just for a role player to go back home to where they're comfortable and they kind of getting in a rhythm, shooting at a basket that they're obviously familiar with, it is definitely different than shooting on the road and obviously pressure's on, Kyrie's hurt. At least they know what kind of role they're going into the game. Like, hey, look, this is what it's expected of me as opposed to, all right, Kyrie's hurt in the middle of the game. All right, dude, now I got to be a stud and I got to really deliver. Nah, dude, you know exactly what you're getting into for game five. Kyrie's not going to be there. Harden's not going to be there. You got to step up. And I think a guy like Harris, that's as good of a shooter as he is, I don't know if he's going to have two bad nights of him shooting like that, you know, and I think three, correct. You're right, Pete. So I, it's just, just you know, I, I really think this is a good bounce back game for them since they're going back home. If they were playing in Milwaukee again, I would probably flip the odds of them, you know, it would probably be 35% of them winning. Right. Because
2: um, Do you get the Pat Connaughton and PJ Tucker performance in Brooklyn that you just got defensively, correct. offensively, everything. So you know, I I'm, I I don't know if I'm as confident in you uh, as you in the Nets here, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it we'll see what happens. So I let, think, let's move I on. Think it's it's going to uh, be would, all about the bench.
0: I just want to point. Yeah. I just want to just put a little something in perspective for you, Kyle, because I I definitely agree. Role players play better at home. That's you know, same thing with PJ Tucker I was talking about. Let's say Kevin Durant scores forty points. Okay. Where are the Nets getting the other 70 points that they need to win? Between well, between you could, you Harris pick up Griffin, Harris. Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Nick Claxton, Shamit. Shamit.
2: I'm saying I'm saying Blake's gotta go for like 19. Blake's gotta yeah. go for 19. It, it's going to be tough though, man. Jeff green's got to hit some threes. Tough. I think you gotta, you gotta go like Luau Cabrera and you got to put in, you know, uh, Tyler Johnson for like 15 minutes. Cause those guys can technically hit shots and you just got to pray that they do something. Cause I don't think you A could guy, just keep running out no, the, right. what you had before. Like Bruce Brown's fantastic and he's going to play, but Bruce Brown without all the spacing becomes way less important. He becomes way less impactful. And all those open roles that he has with the floaters, they're just not going to exist without Kyrie and Harden and Harris and Kevin Durant all being on the floor next to him. It's not going to be as easy. So you need guys who can shoot and that's going to have to be Shamit, Cabarro and like Tyler Johnson, which is not a great proposition for the Nets. I don't think I just know what's crazy.
3: Yeah, no, you know, what's crazy is that it's, it might be a crazy thing to say, but, Mike James might need to make somebody fall like in the first like mm. 10 minutes. Yeah. And just if go- you make somebody 100%. fall. If you make somebody fall and hit the shot and his confidence is now like, whoop, like if his confidence goes up, that's the best thing that's going to happen for the Nets. You know how Brooklyn, you know how the city gets when, when you know, somebody f- makes somebody fall. Like, oh, shit. Don't you know, even matter they out what team they're out. on. They <laughs> still scream at country. It doesn't it doesn't matter. You're right. It, doesn't though, bro. it right. does not you're, matter you're who Yeah, right. If, it, if it's their own dude, they start bugging out. Yeah. So he literally has to, like, make it, like, you know, kind of get going early to get his confidence up for late in the game. Because I think Mike James is going to be a guy that's going to step up for them tomorrow.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you said his name. I'm just worried that he's going to score 30 Mike and then James. get scored 50 on. Yeah. True. Oh,
3: that's, that's very possible. Well, Trust me. that's very possible.
2: You know what? We haven't really given much love to the Bucks, and I think that's okay because they haven't particularly played well in these past two games. Like, they haven't done anything extra special other than their defensive effort last game. Uh, but I will say this, and this is more defensively as well, with Kyrie being out, what that does is allow Drew Holiday to now guard Mike James and mm. Joe Harris and whoever he needs to. That's not named True. Kevin Durant because yeah. we know who's guarding Kevin Durant now. So that's going to be another wrinkle is Drew Holiday unleashed defensively on whoever the hell else is trying to put the ball in the hoop for the Nets. And that can make it really ugly. And all of a sudden we can see the Nets score 86 again. And that, that's going to be tough. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I think another thing we've learned in these playoffs is that overreactions have been real and it happens every year and we don't learn. We do not learn. We thought the Knicks are out here 1-1. We had a shot, got ran out the gym. We thought the Mavs were going to run the Clippers out the gym. Didn't happen. Right now, as we speak, the Clippers are up 20 on the Jazz. Obviously, it's still early while we're recording, but we thought the Jazz were going to run away. Yeah, we thought the Jazz were going to run away. Now Mitchell's slightly banged up. So, you know, we've we've been overreacting and then getting fooled over and over again. And in this case... Common knowledge would tell you the Bucks are going to start rolling. So who knows, Kyle, you might be right. Uh, the Nets might come out and pull one out of their ass, and, and we'll see what happens. But let's move on to our final topic here. We're not going to talk Jazz Clippers. That game's still going on, but it does look like at this point in time the, Jazz, uh, the Clippers are up 19 in the third quarter. So we, we think, but we don't, know. we don't know what could happen there. A lot of crazy right. stuff can happen, especially that Jazz team could shoot the hell out of it. So let's talk about what we do know. And this is where we're going to go ISO ball for you, Kyle. And I think we might have just lost Duff. That's okay. Shout out Duffy. Um, ISO ball to you, to your guy, Chris Paul. You've been riding with him. I've been been like kind of tailing you, but giving a little pushback. Because like I'm saying, all right, let's get there in the playoffs and let's do it in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. He's not just doing it in the playoffs now, Kyle. He's banged up and doing it even better than we thought. It's impressive. This Suns team is impressive. Here's the ball to you. Top of the key, go off on your boy, Chris Paul, and the Phoenix Suns.
3: Dude, he's just, you know, we always talk about his leadership, and obviously that's super important, what he brings to the Suns. And I think it, it's really fed off of on all of these young guys because they're all playing in this postseason like they're all vets and they've never played in the postseason before, which is crazy. A lot of them hit great shots and play hard on defense. Um they kind of look all in sync. But now in this series, like as opposed to last series, you seem pretty banged up. And I think he probably used that time off to rest um, after that Laker series. And now, you know, last three games, he had 30. In the last game, he had 37 3 and 3 and then seven assists, shot 73%, shot 14 of 19 from the field. The second game, he shot 27. Uh, Had 27 points, six rebounds, eight assists, shot 56% from the field, and then 17, 5, and 15 assists Hmm. with zero turnovers, shot 60%. It was just like ridiculous numbers, you know. And he's he's the guy, obviously, we talk about LeBron who does such a great job of running the offense and kind of control the pace. Chris Paul is the control, he controls the pace so well. He does it just as well as LeBron does. And he's able to. I think he's kind of what Devin Booker's kind of needed, just a guy to get him a shot or a guy to like, all right, hey, I'm gonna get it set up and then all right, you get to your spot and then we'll get the hell out the way. And he's also he's also hitting fifty-eight percent from three right now. And then in, that, in that last series, he hit fifty-eight percent from three. And he's not you know, he's not known as a three point shooter. And, and, and he's got a banged up shoulder. And he's banged up and, and he and he's old. it's just like like dude like what are you not doing right now so i he's taking his game to the next level and i also it he he definitely gets credit because he i know he got voted by the coaches as coach of the year but i think monty williams being there for chris paul is another great thing for him i think it's like all like obviously coming full circle for them and chris paul plays hard as hell you know for for monty and i think they're just like literally on the same page about everything it seems like just from hearing interviews and hear them talk about each other is like how much love they have for each other it's a big difference when you're playing for a guy that you know has your back and you've been through stuff together and you know you guys are tightest you know thickest thieves and this is the guy that you uh you know you're playing for and you're trying to be successful for and and you know you're trying to get to the conference finals and now here you are and i think he's probably like, dude, like such a weight off his shoulders. Like, dude, I'm finally here. Like, let's go. Like the, my times now, you know, I, I've, I've seen D Wade. I've seen LeBron get here. I've seen them win chips. Now my turn. And I think he's literally just, just riding that wave right now. And unfortunately I feel bad because, you know, when you're playing this well and your team is playing this well, you almost want to keep playing. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to break, Like, you really just want to, play as much basketball as possible just the same rhythm and i feel like that first game they may be you know kind of out of out of sync a little bit but at the end of the day i think they have a really good chance of going to the finals i definitely do so uh, i'm i'm just like obviously it's like crazy to say but like like almost like proud you know yeah. for proud of CP3 but like i'm just like i'm really happy for him cuz he, he definitely deserves it man he plays hard as hell he's done everything pretty much the right way And everywhere he's gone, he's been successful. He's just a really good player, and definitely my favorite player of all time, for sure.
2: I think, other than the stint in L.A. with the Clippers, he has been Mm -hmm. incredibly likable. And it wasn't his fault particularly that the Clippers were unlikable. It was kind of the whole thing. Yeah, it was. You know, he was he was whining a lot because he tends to Blake Griffin whines a good bit and flops a lot. DeAndre Jordan was always overrated despite his good defensive numbers and whatever, you know, doc rivers is a love or hate guy. You know, if you, if you hated Boston, you hated doc rivers. And if you liked Boston or you respected doc, you whatever. But it was kind of like, it was just so much drama and so much expectation never met by results for the Clippers. But if you think about his time uh, with the Hornets, incredibly fun, likable team where he was doing crazy stuff with those squads for the Hornets and, Oklahoma city first oh, for a second there when they uh, had uh, Katrina and then obviously in new Orleans. Um, And then even in Houston, you know, if you didn't like the, uh, the, the warriors, or you kind of wanted to see the empire fall. I thought those rockets teams with Chris Paul and James Harden were fun and they brought incredible energy to the Western conference where everybody wrote off the Western conference. Ah, the warriors are going to walk to the finals. Chris Paul and James Harden had that series incredibly tight and we all forget about that. And if Chris Paul didn't get hurt, his first finals appearance could have came four years ago. And then last year it was probably the biggest testament to who he is as a basketball player and a leader taking Shea Gildas Alexander in his second year, Dennis Schroeder off, off the, the basically the wire because he couldn't get into a solid role in the NBA. And now <laughs> Dennis Schroeder's is asking for a 90 million because of what oh he did God. basically next to Chris yeah. Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Steven Adams, et cetera. And now this year is, is it. This is, the culmination of all the experiences that Chris Paul has had to this point in the NBA. Some we loved, some we liked, some we kind of hated. And now if you're looking at the Phoenix Suns, it's almost impossible to be a hater because you watch how they play the game and they're so inspired at all times, at all positions, and they're following their leader. You can argue it's Monty, you can argue it's Chris Paul. The right answer is probably that it's 100% both. They're both putting their best foot forward and their team is following DeAndre Eaton is busting his ass. Miles Bridges is busting his ass. My guy is bawling. Like, he does so many things. And I love that Miles Bridges is out here pushing back on the 3 and D thing. People are like, oh, you're a quintessential 3 and D guy. He's like, nah. You think I'm just doing 3 and D? You're not watching. I'm doing, I'm cutting. I'm making plays. I'm attacking the closeout. I'm guarding everybody. Like, I'm I'm great in fast break. And and it's just like everything is going right for them right now and it's awesome to watch because i've been critical of chris paul over the years 100% never did i disrespect his talent and what he can bring to the basketball court and now it's almost just becoming undeniable and i hope that he makes it to the finals or at absolute freaking minimum he you know they have a seven game awesome series in the western conference finals because you know if the clippers or jazz make it and that's a hell of a series and both teams put their best foot forward, you know, it is what it is. But for Chris Paul to be here right now at age 36 is off the charts. It really is. And and I'm happy for you, Kyle. I'm happy for you. (laughs) because Realistically, you Chris Paul fans have had to take shit for like almost for no reason. And I'm part of the the blame because... I'm just being a bitter Harden fan over here. It's like Harden gets all this crap for losing the playoffs. Like Chris Paul been steady losing in the playoffs his whole career too. Yep. Like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> he's the reason. <laughs> so no, it's just dope yeah, though, because his team really, really balls out. They do. You can't hate yeah, dude. the Suns. You can't hate them. No, I would...
3: You really can't. There's, there's not like, besides, obviously people don't like Chris Paul or whatever, or maybe some people don't like Crowder, but besides that, like, they're all just like young dudes, just like out there, just having fun. Like yeah, it man. just looks like they're just having so much fun, just running around and just literally just playing basketball. You know, they, I I think it's one of those good things where they almost don't know any better. You know of how young they are, like how how important or how uh, how big some of these moments are mm. that they're playing in and playing well in the they're naivety. Like, the oh, naivety. It's, it's just another game it's like, helping it's them the out playoffs. Like you know, what I mean, it's dude, it's totally different. You know, I I think. I hope they don't, like, take this almost for granted. Like, oh, yeah, dude, this is just, like, the playoffs. Like, this is what we do. Like, dude, you might not be there next year. Who knows? Like, you never know. Injuries and all that stuff, like, crazier things have happened. You know, shoot. The freaking Lakers were playing in to get into the playoffs this year. Literally. You know, so. The
2: Celtics have been in three out of four conference finals. They freaking stumbled into the playoffs this year.
3: Yeah, man. Like, it, it's crazier, you know, crazy things happen, you know, with, with seasons and injuries and all that stuff. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just, like, Really excited for them now, and like you said, I think the the Clippers and the either the Clippers or the Jazz in that in that conference finals with the Suns is going to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be such a good series, man. I think they match up so well with each other. You know, with the Clippers with the Suns and, and vice versa. You know, uh, with with the Jazz and, and the Suns. I think both teams, all three of those matchups are going to be ridiculous. Absolutely, so I, I can't wait. <laughs>
2: And, and I'll, I'll say one more thing, and then, Mike, I'll let you get your two cents in on, on that series there. So it looks like the Clippers are going to run run the Jazz out of the building here. It's going to be 2-2 uh, on the Nuggets super quick. I, I love the Nuggets. I love Jokic, and I was rooting for them versus the Suns to even make it a series. And I couldn't even, like, be upset watching because I was, I was happy that the Suns were pulling through. But now, Mike... It's about to be 2-2, we assume, unless some crazy comeback happens with the Jazz. And if that happens, I'll probably record something and throw it in before this to to <laughs> forewarn our, on our mistakes. But it's going to be 2-2 here. If you're thinking about it purely from the Suns' perspective, is there one team that you think you'd rather match up with? Or are they evenly matched enough where you're like, I don't even care? Like, I, don't, I don't know. Like, what do, you, what do you think? If you're the Suns, you think you're low-key rooting for one or the other?
1: I don't know, man. Uh, I really think that, like you guys were saying, either series, no matter who they play, would be really good. You got star, like you got stars and firepower on all three of those teams. Um, you got Booker, um, who's certified star, like certified star. Um, Chris Paul in this series that just passed um, has been playing like a certified star. DeAndre Ayton has been quietly, in my opinion, he, he gets overshadowed sometimes by like. <laughs> Chris Paul, and of course Booker, and like sometimes rightfully so, you know what I mean? But like he's been a key to their success for sure. Like you said, everything clicking on all cylinders for them, and that's why they just swept a a good Denver Nuggets team. Um, But, you know, then you look on the other side, um, and you got Mitchell, which right now that would be the only thing that would maybe influence my decision on who I would rather play is because we really what is Donovan Mitchell's status? I actually haven't even like been following along like has he been on like a minutes restriction at all tonight or like
2: i haven't watched tonight's game but he, at this point he's played 26 minutes which is you know second most on the team he's taken 16 shots he's gotten to the free throw line 10 times so my guess without watching more than three seconds of this game is that he's he's doing well enough to
1: get after it yeah i mean because he is he's been putting up again ridiculous numbers i mean silly just and silly they, stuff they, for him silly and they they're kind of getting overlooked too almost because like phoenix beat the lakers and knocked out lebron and they go and they sweep the mvp and then you know mitchell's putting up these ridiculous numbers and like you know they're about to be 2-2 and it's because on the other side you got playoff p and or, sometimes playoff p shows up sometimes it's just paul jordan um but uh and Hi, kawhi Leonard, i mean kawhi leonard's been showing up like mm-hmm. kawhi leonard's been showing up um and PG, when he shows up, the Clippers have success. And then when he doesn't, they seem to struggle because, like, you know, again, yeah, I mean, they're, they're just so similar. If I'm Phoenix, I really, I don't know, Mitchell's healthy. If these other guys are healthy, I think it's a good matchup. I think Phoenix absolutely has the potential to beat either of those teams. But I also think either of those teams have the potential to beat Phoenix in a series.
3: Mm. Kyle? I, I'll be uh, honest. I think I, think I would want to go – If I'm, I'm just thinking like on paper, like matchups. I think I'll want to play the Clippers. Really? I think I want to play the Clippers. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because if I'm at least all right offensively, if I'm Chris Paul, I'm gonna put I'm drawing a blank on my man's name. My man Zubac. Is that Zubac? Zubac, right? Zubac. Zubac? Yeah. yeah. I'm putting him in in the blender all day. (laughs) You might not play. I'm putting him in the blender.
2: Zubats did you not, hasn't, uh, he's played seven minutes tonight. You
3: he, know what I mean? Like, he if, didn't start. If, if that's whoever's, whoever's guarding Aiden, because I, I just know for a fact they don't have anybody to guard uh, you know, Aiden. Mm-mm. So I'm running pick and roll to the days long, right? But if um I'm playing the Jazz, now I have Gobert that's guarding the pick and roll. Now, he's not the best guarding pick and roll, but I think offensively, Aiton would probably have more trouble with Gobert in the post as opposed to whoever the Clippers decide their five is going to be that day. Because obviously, we don't even know who it is. Wait, do you you want to hear
2: who they started tonight?
3: who they start tonight?
2: Kawhi, Paul George, obviously. And then they Mm -hmm. started Reggie Jackson, Marcus Mm -hmm. Morris, and Nick Batum.
3: Yeah, that that's, was their that's five. Barbecue, that's barbecue chicken, that's <laughs> yo. Barbecue chicken. And that's they and,
2: and they're barbecue <laughs> and they're making barbecue chicken out of the jazz right now. Marcus Morris, by yo. the way, five for six from three tonight. What is that? Wow. Really? What is that?
3: What is so that? I, I, I would <laughs> I would rock with that because I think I think offensively and maybe even defensively the Suns would match up better than they would with the Jazz because mm. the Jazz literally just chuck threes, man, and they hit them. Like, it they hit them very well. I think it would be tough, a tougher defensive assignment. As crazy as that sounds with, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, you know, on the Clippers, I think those are guys that, that the Suns can stay in front of as opposed to run off the line. You know, like, it's tough to guard space as opposed to guarding a body. You know, as, as, I guess for, I feel- you know, as a coach, I'm so thinking about it. I feel
1: like you can almost make a comparison to what we were talking about before with like Atlanta and Philly, how like Philly finished the regular season is the better team, but like we're looking at Atlanta as the more diverse team. Mm. And I feel like you kind of have to worry about the same thing with Utah because you've got Ingles, you've got Clarkson coming off the yes. bench, you've got Bogdanovich. Any of these guys can get hot at any time. And like you said, man, they chuck threes and they drain them. Um, and I feel like with the Clippers, it's more of the PG Kawhi show. And if those guys don't play well, the chances for the Clippers to succeed and, you know, win games and win a series drops dramatically as opposed to like if Gobert didn't have the best game or if Mitchell, you know, dropped like, let's say he dropped like 18 or 20 or 22 instead of like his 30, 32 that he's been dropping. A guy like Bogdanovich or Ingles or Clarkson could step up and, you know, fill that
3: gap and they could recover those points with those guys. So who knows when and who knows when Conley comes back? You know, say he comes back for the next series. You know, like Conley's been out the entire time. What if he comes back? You know, say in beginning of the middle of the series, definitely changes things. Yeah, defensively.
2: It's interesting that you guys both kind of agree there because my head went to what can Chris Paul do against these two defenses and with Kawhi, Paul George, they probably wouldn't be on Chris Paul head to head, but they'd be helping off like crazy and doing all this stuff because they're not going to be as scared as some of the other guys, even though maybe they should be, as, as we discussed. I'm thinking about Chris Paul going up against the Jazz, and I think he just made Gobert's, he makes Gobert's life living hell in the mid-range. Oh, Kyle, no, he would kill him Kyle we were talking yeah. about it last night, you and I. We were yep. texting about the mid-ranger in general in the NBA, right? Like Obviously, we hear about the three results, three-pointers, layups, and free throws. That's the the analytical way, but we were discussing how For guys like Chris Paul, it technically has never been discouraged for him and for Kawhi Leonard to shoot mid-rangers because they break the threshold. Their percentage on mid-rangers is so high that it is an efficient enough shot to equal the layup, the three-pointer, and the free throw. And how do you beat Gobert? You either got to pull him away from the floor or shoot mid-rangers over his head. And Chris Paul has done it this regular season where he's at the elbow. Gobert is taped to underneath the hoop. You don't want to leave there because Aiton will get a wide open dunk and Chris Paul goes 7-9 to nine from the elbow for a game. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, can Gobert even play defense against Chris Paul? Like, can he be on the court? And now the, the whole thing with Gobert being played out a playoff series has clearly been overstated. That is not the case. He's been wreaking havoc more or less uh, in the playoffs. But Chris Paul and Devin Booker are the two guys who can abuse what he wants to do. And they can say, yeah, man, go ahead. Stay back there by the rim. We got you. Elbow jumper, bang, in your eye. Like, all day. And I I would be interested to see if that Phoenix Suns attack, doing that with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, can demoralize Gobert and the Jazz's defense. I I don't know, though. It's going to be an awesome series no matter what. And it's good that we don't have uh, conclusive evidence here yet because it's 2-2 or it's about to be 2-2 in Clippers Jazz, and it can very much go either way.
3: So, uh, the, Knicks, the Knicks know all too well You know they went 3-0 against the Hawks and lost, but mm. the Suns actually went 3-0 against the Jazz this year. Mm. Against I'm the best team
2: right in
3: now. the NBA. Correct. And the last time they played them, they blew them out. It was 121-100.
2: I remember. I remember watching so, Chris Paul hitting those elbow jumpers over yes, Gobert and being like, oh shit,
3: like, Gobert doesn't know work. what to do. He has nothing to do. That's it, man. You and, know? And, 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 and I think it will be more of a matchup. The re, I guess the matchup in the post for Aiden would be more of a problem. He but ain't getting no post-ups. No post-ups for him. Pick and roll. It's a wrap. Nah, yeah. Aiden, get it the hell out the way and give Booker the ball, man. Yeah, exactly. Get out
2: the way. Oh, man, that's good. This is good. Way to end strong here, fellas. We appreciate you. We're not even going to do last words. We're going to get out of here. Um, all, well, For last words, all I'll say is I'm getting the designated hitters up and running on Wednesday night to talk baseball. The Yankees are seemingly falling apart. Kyle, do you want to do last words like for five seconds on the Yankees? Are is are you demoralized over here?
3: It's hurting, man. It's hurting. Like it's like you know, like the Yankees so far have been really hot and cold. Like, like the epitome of hot and cold. But when they're cold, like it's like our chicken, not barbecue chicken, cold, cold, yeah, like (laughs) ice water cold, like (laughs) for a long time. (laughs) Like, and they go hot for a couple weeks. And then go cold for like a month, and you're just like, "Oh my god, like I can't watch this, dude." So just the at bats, uh, just you know, I I, wa- I was watching or just saw on the on the bottom line, um, a couple days ago. Oh, when they're up five three, I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, oh man, Chapman's first half up of the year, You got it, bro." And then you're just like, I look back like the next day, it was like seven five, like, "What the hell? <laughs> What's <happened? laughs> what ah. Oh my it happened so dude, it's just fast. So, so demoralizing, bro. Yeah, dude, it happened so fast. So it's, it's been rough for sure. And it's
2: Murphy's law for the sure. Yankees, man. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Chapman has been, like, legendarily good this year. Yeah. Dude. And then right when there's, like, a seemingly hot oh, streak on the horizon, he gives up back-to-back jacks and loses
3: the game. I mean, that's... I <laughs> lost the game on, like, nine pitches, they said. They're yeah. Like, Damn. Ugh like talk about talk about like such a quick turnaround like yeah man we got this like <laughs> <What the hell? laughs>
2: uh, it's ugly mike what do you got for me <laughs> no
1: nah, i was just gonna say man like it's crazy because like my brother's a huge Yankee fan i gotta play a friends of the yankee fans and i keep hearing the same thing that you said is like they're unwatchable right now like i can't even watch them and it's crazy to me and probably to you too p being a mets fan like they're over 500 like the Yankees are over 500 and they're quote unwatchable to their fans which is just something that's like crazy you know what I mean because like yeah. being a Mets fan it's just it's just a totally different like look you have going into the season you know what I mean and I, 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 I'm you know I get it like you're not the only Yankee fan like they're everyone's saying like so it's just it's just interesting you know what I mean like yeah.
3: yeah. If you want to hear That's, more, it's definitely, it's definitely
1: tough. If you want to hear
2: it's more pain from Yankee fans, tune in on Thursday.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's I've, uh, I've always, I'm never like, I've never been one of those fans, at least for me, maybe it's cause I, like my, some of my family are Mets fans or whatever. So I've never been like, yo, like, I love that the Mets are, are trash right now. Like I've never been like that. Like, you know, I always root for the Mets or whatever, Shout Besides out. obviously when we play each other, mm. but like, I guess when um, the expectations are so high and I think that's one of the problems with fans and also just the media, when they tell you like, Oh yeah, you know, bullpen loaded. Oh yeah. Starting pitching. All you need is one more guy at the trade deadline. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> Gary Sanchez looking good spring training. is going to be healthy. Judge is going to be healthy all season. And then, oh, you know, all this stuff literally happens in the span of like two months You're like, Dude, the sky is falling. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> the season's over. You know what I mean? And obviously, it's not the case at all, but it, it's, it literally feels like it sometimes because well, you just hear, like, all, all, you know, all winter and all spring, like, oh, yeah, oh, the Yankees don't win the A at least. Like, World oh, Series or
2: bust. Oh, my God.
1: Dude. Well, here's the here's know, the I, thing, gonna thing of why. To
3: the season. I'm going to start coming to the season with, with Mets fans' expectations and then just be, like, either happily, you know, surprised or you know meet meet my expectations so yeah I feel a lot better about myself
2: you know it's tough because on the flip side the Mets are this like incredibly lovable team right now where they're so hurt and they're just grinding every night it's the they're literally opposite of the Yankees where what their whole outfield has been hurt basically Nimmo and Conforto have been out for a minute JD Davis has been out for a minute and then half their backups have been out for a minute they're playing, you know, Mason Williams and McKinney every single night, and they're still winning games. It's crazy. Um, but the, the thing with the Yankees on the sky falling, not to steal the thunder of our episode coming up Wednesday, but I think the analytical word on the street is the projection is the Yankees have to play like 95 win baseball to get back into playoff contention because the AL East is so good right now that they have to play yeah. on like a 95 plus win pace the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, they're one game above 500. Minus run differential, minus seven for the year, it's ugly. Meanwhile, the Mets, eight games above five hundred, twenty 20 uh, 20-plus run differential on this season right now. Uh, it's just absolute opposite stories. It's, it's crazy. And it has to hurt Yankee fans' feelings when the Mets have all these injuries and they're basically pulling one of the seasons the Yankees had the past couple out of their ass. Like Kevin Pillar best season of his career? Like, what the hell is going on over here?
1: Billy McKinney? Yeah. Billy like, McKinney?
2: What is this? Jacob deGrom is going to win MVP? It's it's insane. It's insane over here. <laughs> he, should,
3: he should win every award that's given this year. They should just give him the He's, AL Cy Young, too, just just because. Seriously. He's of his mind. Like, you know we don't have enough guys in the AL. You got it. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy.
2: All right, yo. For John Lucas Duffy, who left us a minute ago, and Kyle Anderson and Mike Bonfield, this has been an episode of Subway Sports Talk. Thanks so much for listening, as always. Go to Apple Podcast app. Leave those five stars, a rating, and review. We'd love to hear from you guys. What do you think of the NBA playoffs? You've been satisfied this this year so far, and is the sky truly falling for the Yankees? Or maybe you have a glimmer of hope. I don't know why you would, but maybe you do. Let me know. We'll talk more later in the week, and we'll be back with more episodes talking NBA baseball and football. Sneaky, sneaky. OTAs, Kyle, we're out here. We're going to be talking football before we know it. So shout-out to y'all. Thanks for listening. Subway Sports Talk. Cheers.